Alrighty, welcome to Early Music Monday. We have a special treat today. A day I've been waiting for for a long time, actually. And I'm very excited to be able to release a conversation with Nigel Short about Path of Miracles. It's a piece of music that, in a lot of ways, changed my life and changed my musical trajectory. So... Nigel and I are going to, Nigel's going to walk us through the piece and some themes and kind of step by step of what happens and interspersed between those segments, I'll play clips from the piece so you get an idea of what we're talking about. This is Early Music Monday. Okay, so before we launch into the interview, I really want to set the scene a little bit about how this episode is going to be formatted, because it's going to go a little bit different than our traditional episode format. Um, Nigel takes us on a really cool journey through the conception of the piece and goes through each section, each movement into musical elements, background elements, stylistic elements, uh, key moments, etc. And it really is more impactful if you know the score really well or if you know the music. And so what I'm going to do is I've taken clips from each movement and I'm going to intersperse those with our discussion. So you're going to hear us talk about a movement and then I'll play a clip from that movement immediately following. So we'll talk about kind of the genesis and then we'll talk about movement one and then you'll hear a clip from movement one. Then we'll talk about movement two, you'll hear a clip from movement two, et cetera, et cetera, through the end of movement four. So buckle your seat belts because it's going to be an amazing ride and no further chit chat from me. Let's go to our discussion with Nigel Short on Path of Miracles. Okay, Nigel, welcome back to Early Music Hi. Monday. <laughs> From Hi, uh, nice. yeah. yes, yes, it's it's uh, it's always great. It, it's so picturesque. I, I I should post a picture of you sitting there in front of the fireplace. It's just amazing. So, uh, <laughs> well, we're, we're middle middle of August, and the house uh, you know could do with a fire roaring behind me even now because it's a typical British summer where it's rubbish and um, the house is <laughs> built in 15 about 1510 1514 somewhere like that so it's always cold which in a heat wave is great because it means uh, you know we and the the dog who may make an appearance a bit later um, who's a very fluffy golden retriever um, we've always got somewhere to sort of shelter from the heat but for most of the year, it's just cold and we need to get fires going. But there we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, the uh, the the topic of conversation today, as I'm I'm so thrilled about, is Path of Miracles. Indeed. Yeah. So I'll just tell you a little bit about my introduction to it, and then I would to and 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 about where, where I'm coming from and why I'm so enamored by the piece. And then I'll, I'm just going to ask you a couple questions and then let you just go for it and sure. kind of speak. So I, I remember I was preparing to, I was at BYU during my, ma doing my master's in conducting, this is like 2015, 16. And, um, 
books. You make me feel old. <laughs> just Sorry, just like on. a year ago, just a year, just <laughs> just a couple of years ago. <laughs> and um, as we were, I I had signed up to do BYU. Uh, Roz Hall from Wales. She was the head of the department at the time. And she was planning a study abroad to London for six weeks with the BYU's choral department. And you could sign up to go. And I was so excited. And in preparation, we were part of the itinerary was that we were going to observe Tenebrae rehearsing it and then see their performance of it in Bath uh, Cathedral. And I remember I listening remember to it at first. Oh, yeah. No, go on. I remember that. I remember you sort of all coming into... St. Andrew's Holborn um, mm -hmm. and, and sort of, you know, these uh, wide-eyed kids uh, sort of sitting next to us. Didn't we have you sort of sitting quite close? Yeah, um, we were sitting up by the front and we were just all sitting there. Wide-eyed is right, because I don't think I blinked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it was fun. <laughs> and uh, I just remember... In preparation for it, I, I hadn't even flown out of the United States yet. I was I was driving, my parents and I were driving to LA. Anyway, long story. And um we to and because they wanted to take a trip, and then I flew out of LA and they drove back to Utah and I was listening to it, but I didn't get I didn't go into any get any context, which was not smart. I did not go and read anything about the piece. I just clicked play and I was like, what is what is happening what is this <laughs> and I, I was like I have no idea what's going on <laughs> and I had never heard anything like this so I, I was like okay well I guess I have to study it and then we got there and we read through it and we studied it and we talked about it before we went to that first rehearsal and then I just remember the run through and hearing it and it and then seeing the performance in Bath and I I don't think my music it's not hyperbole for me to say that in in a lot of ways it changed my life like my musical lens was completely altered after that and my idea of what music could do to the soul was changed you know and and just think and yeah it's just weeping at the end it was just amazing and so oh. then i i listen to it every once in a while just listen to it again and i go through the score and I I remember sitting on the train or the bus or the airplane after that performance during that trip just reading through the score I went down to I can't even remember what music shop and bought the score and just and so it, it was it was so incredible and so I can't I'm so excited to hear your journey to it and and your experience with it so well I think that, that that's a very interesting thing you know that it's it's such a complex piece and you know there is so much in it there's still things that i discover all these years later you know we're coming up to the 25th the 20th anniversary of the first performance and the year we commissioned it and i think there are still things i discover in there you know when we when we do a new performance or a new venue sort of offers new opportunities um you know when i say it's complex it's it's accessible most mm. of it is is definitely accessible um but there's an awful lot behind the piece um, which makes it that much more rewarding if you have done a little bit of homework beforehand. And often, you know, we uh, offer pre-concert talks when, you know, sort of for 15 minutes or 20 minutes, I try to cram in as much <laughs> information as I can 
that's that's going to be of interest and that the listeners who haven't heard the piece before or who maybe have not done any sort of uh, investigative work uh, around the piece, then, uh, you know, I can just give them clues as to what to listen for and why things are the way they are. Um, but it is, yeah, it's uh, it's it's. I don't know, it's a hackneyed phrase, isn't it, these days, you know, to say it's a, it's a real journey. But of course, it is truly about a journey. And I think everybody has got their kind of, you know, it's probably something I hear more often about this piece than anything else Tenebrae's ever sung, um, which is people have their own experience with it, how they came across it, uh, what it's meant to them at certain key times of their life, you know, difficult times and good times and all the rest of it. Um, and I think for audience um, participants and singers alike, there is nothing in our entire library uh, that gets such a visceral and such an emotional reaction out of singers. You know, more, more singers have cried at the end of a performance of this and more audiences, we've seen audiences just sort of, um, you know, fall apart um, at the end. I mean, you know, with, by the end, of course, it's it's ecstatic, but there, there are moments where it's just sort of, oh, it's, it just gets people in a way that nothing else does. Yeah, and, I, and I've thought about that a lot, actually, about why that is. And so my, my um, a dear friend is, is uh, named Andrew Maxfield. He's uh, our composer in residence, and he's, Jeswaldo Six has done some of his pieces, and so he's, he's making it really well for himself. And we're, we're working on a piece that's a concert-length work and based on the Tao and um, the the Tao Te Ching and um, it's not in the sound world it's not anything like Path of Miracles but in scope it's kind of the goal to make it a concert experience that one piece and we we ask ourselves all the time about pieces by Steve Reich or Arvo Pert and and all these other long form pieces and what about this piece in particular is so visceral and so timeless you know to where it's just gonna it like you said it's the one in the repertoire that gets the most um intense for i guess for lack of a better word reaction why why do you what are some of the reasons why you think that is well why don't we start at the beginning um yeah i mean the, the shall i just shall i just yeah talk you ask questions or, or whatever if if it's not obvious. I mean, the, the whole piece, Joby Talbot went, uh, my original idea was to have um, different stages of the Camino. This is the, you know, historically um, places, cities in Europe where pilgrims stopped, that, but were specifically making their way to Santiago uh, de Compostela um, and to have several movements composed by different composers. When we spoke mm. to Joby, Joby liked the idea so much. He said, look, can I do the whole thing? And he took himself to, we sort of thought, okay, actually that makes our lives you know, rather easier. Um, and he took himself off on tour. He just had a baby who was only six weeks old um, at the time. Um, and he and his wife and uh, their son went off on the tour in a car though. Um, and I think they were there for six weeks sort of driving around different places and, and sort of getting to know it all. And then Joby decided that, you know, these were the four four of the major medieval staging posts 
um, that were sort of most interesting. Um, and then he got Robert Dickinson to sort of look into the whole thing and come up with the libretto. So the whole thing, um, once it had all been composed, uh, just to explain the very opening, I said to Joby, I want a, an opening of the piece that is like nothing else, you know, that is really weird um, and can have the singers kind of hidden from view, whatever, just something that gets the whole piece off in a really unique way. And he came up with this sort of extraordinary idea uh, of what's called a passy putt putt. And I think it's a, a sort of uh, Taiwanese, you know, ancient farming sort of um, tradition or, or whatever. And then the farmers would sort of stand in a circle and would take as deep a breath as possible um, and growl, you know, from the bottom of their voices and then go as high as possible. Then they take another deep breath, but as much breath as they possibly could. And then they go up. And I think the idea is that they they keep doing this until they're high, not hyperventilating, but actually, you know, lacking oxygen, and they lose consciousness. They faint. They fall over. And when they all fall over, if they if they all fall over when they're standing in the circle, then that then that uh, means you're going to have a good harvest. Wow, that is <laughs> um, and so unbelievable. We, so JB wasn't quite sure how to notate this to start with, and we worked out that if you just start on an A. Um, uh, and a baritone and then we have a sort of an octave a bottom a right at the bottom and that just sort of uh, growls away and then from a distance you wherever the men are sometimes we're hidden from view sometimes we're in view um they eventually settle on a fifth um an a and a d and then that basically over however long it might take uh just rises up in pitch so ooh, ooh. A bit like a car, but much slower than that. And of course, when you've got ten men all doing it in a circle, trying to create harmonics with the sounds, we sort of we make different uh, mouth shapes, anything that can get the sound buzzing in a sort of slightly uh, weird vocal way, but not e or ah. You know, it, it's uh, otherwise that would sort of just narrow the sound too much. Um, and when when the fifths lock in, that creates more harmonics, and then voices sort of peel off. They go to the bottom, and they drag the drag the fifth up until it's sort of getting really, you know, quite high. And I think we we settled at some point on a B and an E. And then once we reach that point, uh, whichever members of the team have got perfect pitch, they put their hand up say you know we've got there we're all at an e and a b um and then the ladies who are normally hidden from view or in the middle of the audience behind them um i put my hand up and i count four slow beats two three and in that time all the gents glissandy up an octave so the tenors go to top b's and as we land on the top b and the bases are on a on a um a b as well uh the ladies come in on a an e minor triad um, so top B, G, E, um, and the B below. And it's cataclysmically loud, um, you know, from where I am with the gents. And a couple of times, you know, in, in the past, when the ladies have said, look, it's not quite working in rehearsal. And they say, can you come and just work on it? And so I'll go down and then they'll sing it. And I will be shaking um, when they sing this sort of triad. And I'm kind of getting cross-eyed because I can't quite cope with how loud it is and, and the harmonics that are generated. 
Um, and funnily enough, we did it recently, about two weeks ago, in a place called Kloster Eberbach, a medieval uh, Cistercian abbey in the in the depths of uh, the Rhine area in Germany. Uh, amazing place. Um, it was used for a film called The Name of the Rose with Sean Connery, and it's a stunning oh, wow. place. Um, and and I couldn't quite, you know, it's a massive place. It seats about one thousand five hundred people. This this abbey. And and my ears were just burning with the sound that was bouncing off the walls and from the singers when when they get to this opening, and and then the men go back to the bottom whilst the ladies are sort of screaming on this high cluster, um, back to the bottom and then all the way up to the tenor top B, uh, and then the ladies come in again. They throw this sort of to one another from a distance, uh, and then it sort of slowly gets into. Um, uh, reaches a point where uh, crotales come in. And crotales is sort of, you know, a percussive instrument, very metallic. Um, and the crotales represent the bells from the hostels and the the old the medieval abbeys in Roncevallas. Uh, this is sort of in, um, you know, in the mountains. And it's sort of a pass where you come from Central Europe into Spain. Um, Pyrenees, I think, and and basically the, the the weather could change in a minute, and you could you know be in clear um, skies, and then the cloud would just suddenly come from nowhere, and you wouldn't be able to see you know ten feet in front of you. So pilgrims, uh, medieval times, got lost, and sometimes when it was bad weather, you know it was it was catastrophic. Um, so these uh, hostels and the and the, the sort of abbey. Um, found the most sort of tinny bell that would resonate, you know, once you hit it, a bit like a bell, but something higher pitched um, that would resonate so that pilgrims that were lost in the bad weather could try and locate this sound and walk towards it. And they would find their way um, to this sort of first major staging post. So when you get to this section, you know, that, that, that's the whole point of these crotales. And they come back later in, in movement four. Um, and then basically the first movement is, is a lot of historical um, uh, telling of the story of how the body of St. James was taken over on a boat made of stone, um, of course. Uh, yeah, absolutely. From, from, from the Middle East over to France or wherever it was in Central Europe. And, um, and, and, it's kind of um, this is where you need to do your history and sort of read through the the libretto to sort of find yeah. out what different reference points are. Um, and through this first movement, there are numerous languages used, um, and some of them are not specifically German, French, or whatever. They're made up words um, that have been recorded in uh, an historical tome called the Codex Calixtinus. Uh, this is like a, um, a medieval book where Pilgrims, pilgrims would arrive in Santiago and any stories would be written down and notated so that there was a record of, you know, everything possible. And people would say, we made up a song about, you know, the, the pilgrimage in Santiago and, and, and they would record it and it would be written down if possible and the words would be written down and different words as pilgrims from different countries got together on, on the path and they didn't speak each other's languages. And of course they would find ways of communicating and bits of Latin or bits of their 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 language would sort of 
suddenly hook up with other languages and people go, oh yeah. And so a, a lot of this sort of uh, linguistic uh, discovery and, and sort of experimentation uh, was notated down in these Codex Calixtinus um, tomes. And uh, a lot of the first movement has some of these words and there's various things throughout the piece. So um, uh, th that's something to look out for. And once you've you know got onto the, the music, basically, once you've reached Roncevias, that's the sort of most um, geographically, the most dangerous part of the, the pilgrimage. So there's mm -hmm. kind of, if you've come all the way from Germany or Italy or whatever, then, then that's a good moment for you. you. You've arrived on the last sort of path, the last few stages of the path. Um, and geographically, it's then much easier. I say easy. It, it's not as dangerous as being lost up in the in the high mountains. So um, it's it, 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 there's a lot of euphoria about having arrived at this this uh, recognised uh, first staging post on your last uh, attempt to get to Santiago, and the climax in the in the music is pretty extraordinary. I think Joby's done a brilliant job. Um, there's a main melody. And it sounds a little bit sort of you know, Middle Eastern, um, which is which is you know the origins of the of the whole story. And it's nice how he's done that. But he then spreads it throughout the different singers, throughout the different parts. And they and it's like all these different um uh trails, if you like, are slowly, slowly coming together. And at various points, uh, it goes in the upper voices, the lower voices, and they're overlapping. And then some parts are in one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And then you've got the da, 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 da. So you've got the fives against threes. And there's a canon going on between two tenors, completely unrelated to the da, 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 da. Um, And various other elements come in, little bits of history uh, sung by soloists. And then it sort of gets, uh, the, the story goes into English. Um, um, what's, um, just let me uh, look it up. And yeah, no, that's great. Herod uh, rots on a borrowed throne while the saint is translated. But, oh, my eyesight's terrible. Um, the body taken at night from the tomb uh, the stone of the tomb, uh, and that all goes on the boat, and that's all making its way across the sea. And uh, this is sort of just building and building, and you've still got these other strands of... And the whole thing suddenly uh, erupts into a bit where the upper voices are in... Um, da, 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 uh, they are... They're in three, so... Beatissimi apostoli two three one da cra osa ad hispania translata and all the men going into two da 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 and it's like all these forces all these trails all these pilgrims are just slowly gathering gathering you know they've got the same strands the same reason they're coming you know with the origins of the story in the Middle East and melody and all the rest of it and then suddenly all the all you know half of the pilgrims are there uh, they're getting to uh, Ron Tobias, um, and then they're they're in step with each other, and there's still this other group of pilgrims that are 
slightly you know a different step but they're together and the whole thing is is coming together and it and it just erupts um i mean if ever you have a score it's at letter m um and yeah uh, jerusalem to what's the text yeah to finisterra from Jerusalem to Finisterre, from the heart of the world. That's where the whole thing yeah. connects from the Middle East to the end of the um and and it's again, it's absolutely electrifying when, when you get to that moment. Um and yeah, I mean absolutely my you know, the hairs on the back of my neck are, are normally standing up. Uh, but that's not actually the climax of the piece. That's still to come, where right. all the pilgrims arrive together, and then you've got the massive um, quartals sort of ringing, you know, deafeningly in the ear. By this stage, all the men that had done the passy putt and all the ladies that are a different part of the building have slowly walked like pilgrims and arrived on stage together right next to the quartals. So, you know, when the quartals come back in, then it's... Um, you know that that sort of yeah. everything bells and whistles. Yeah. Um, so I have a quick question. I have a quick question. If I can pause, how did the singers? This is like a technical question. When the singers first read through this movement, were they well? Were they giving given any history before to like, hey, read this before rehearsal, or or was it just, or or, or was it just kind of reading in the moment? And what was their reaction? No, because um, you know, and I, I, I don't want to be in in any way negative, but but we we were delivered the score quite late in the day. Um, I think the original idea was that we would perform the whole thing from memory, um, and we got two movements one month before the concert, before the, the world premiere, which was July the seventh, the day of the London bombings back in 2005. Oh, wow. So a month before we got together, sang through two, the two movements we had, um, and we sort of recorded them. We, we The plan was to then say to the singers, okay, you take away this rough recording and um, you memorise it. But of course, we had the two of the movements, we're going, oh my God, how on earth are we going to memorise this? You know, it's, it's too complicated. Uh, it's, it's insane. Far too hard. And then, and then the next two movements arrived sort of two weeks before the show. And of course, we just didn't have enough time. So we memorised a few bits, I think, you know, that were fairly straightforward. Um, but no, when the singers arrived, other than the Camino de Santiago, that was all they knew. Um, and, you know, all of the singers have had the, their own, you know, journey, whatever you want to call it, um, experience with the, learning the piece and actually learning all the different aspects of why certain words are used and what the musical ideas, why are they there, all the rest of it. So I think the singers, you know, to start with, were kind of going, oh, uh, you know, <laughs> we're never going to be able to memorise this. You know, wow, this is exciting. Wow, this is quite hard. Um, you know, it was a whole range of um, things. And then, you know, one or two things vocally that were written, Joby's not a singer, um, you know, had to be just tweaked a little bit so that it was more workable. We could make uh, some more, some stronger effects. I think there were some bits in that big, in the, one of the climaxes, from Jerusalem to Finister, um, the basses are written on bottom Cs. And of course you've got the sopranos 
tenors and whatever, altos, all wellying out singing forte. And so the bottom scenes just weren't really um, doable. Um, now, the piece uh, is written in 17 different parts, five soprano parts, four alto parts, four tenor parts, four bass parts. And that means that, you know, bass four, uh, three and four, two guys are on a bottom C trying to match the rest of the choir singing high in their register. And of course, that doesn't work. So we nudged that whole section up uh, a position in, in the triad. So we have open fifths, but actually it's uh, G, da, da, whatever. Uh, no, no, that's not right. Da, dee, dum, rather than the dum. The bottom seat, which I can't get. Um, right, right. And, so, uh, and we found actually because that's much higher and was stronger for for the guys to make a similar sound, that suddenly resonated and locked together and could score against all the high voices singing. So, um, so vocally, you know, there were there were things that every now and again people would say. I don't think I can do that. that. That's not working. And we'd look at the score and Jovi was great. He just sort of said, okay, well, let's, let's find another way of making it work. Um, uh, so going on, when you come out of that climax, when the, when the crotals hit, finally, you've got this um, sort of extraordinary noise going on. And you've got, no, 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 going slowly, sort of in beats with the crotals, just sort of going down. And a I think, I think in the original score, the whole thing went down in steps. So it got lower and lower and lower. And that took us to a bass solo that sort of echoes the high alto solo that comes at the, near the beginning of the piece. The beginning. Uh, and when we were doing it somewhere very early on, um, we realised that you know, with all the voice parts shifting down as Joby had originally written it, we were singing all over the same sort of area, uh, tessitura-wise, as the bass soloist. So the bass soloist was actually struggling to come across. And mm. even though it's Adrian Peacock, who's got a huge voice, um, it, it, and it was difficult when the bass solo, would, uh, he would disappear from the, from the stage and go around the side and then walk up the middle of the audience and, you know, quite often people wouldn't realise where he was and suddenly you'd have this huge low voice like, like you know, God knows what, or the, the devil sort of right next to you um, uh, sounding unearthly. And people would jump out of their skin if they were anywhere near him. Um, it's quite amusing. But uh, <laughs> actually, if you keep this little pattern, nose, 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 if you keep it at the higher tessitura, and rather than the tenors having to sing A flat over and over and over and over again, we then, as it got quieter and quieter to make way for the bass soloist, we got sopranos to sing the high A flats and the Fs, and then the altos help with the D flats and the Cs. That way it's, it's all a little bit more manageable. And then when the bass solo comes in, there's nothing around his notes to get in the way for the listener. So the listener hears him much more easily and all the text that he's got to sing. Um, and that's great. The the, the crotals sort of eventually fade out. And the last one, the idea is that you, you let it ring. Of course, crotals really do ring for a long time. Sometimes, you know, depending on the set of crotals you've got, they can ring for seven or eight seconds. So the last hit is gone. And then people are sort of thinking, is that it? But in <laughs> fact, it's not the, the end of the 
it's not the end of the movement. There's just a little bit more to come, and it's uh, another reiteration of that sort of main melody with a with a sort of slightly Middle Eastern feel. Um, and this is kind of the end of the euphoric arrival in Ron Sabayas. Um, and we go back to that sort of Taiwanese um, and then Her Santiago. So you've got the very opening of the piece with the, 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 the main reason why you're doing it coming together, which sort of is just a final statement um, at the end of the movement. So it's all very, you know, beautifully constructed. And then as a bit of fun, uh, at the very end, the final thing that happens in the first movement is the glissandi go down rather than up. So mm. it then, uh, I don't know what a B flat is. Um, two, three, four. And it goes, and you just have this sort of earth rattle sort of sound, which is really, uh, it's unearthly. Um, and because yeah. it's gliss, it's glissandi. Um, I mean, for people that aren't singers, it means you're sliding. It means rather than yeah, ah, it means that really low note is much easier for the basses to to hit. Um, that the low mm. A at the very beginning comes out of nowhere for them. So it's it's a really difficult note to get in tune and you know just suddenly hit it bang in. This B flat is easier for some reason, and it always it's great it's because they're really yeah. strong on it
we get to this what uh it it's a completely it's such a stark shift in contrast and texture and in kind of harmonic language a little bit and t tell us a little bit about about yes. this one Burgos, uh, the cathedral there, medieval cathedral, um, has got lots of gargoyles and whatever, and and it's dark. And Joby found it sort of, you know, quite depressing to be there. And there's all this sort of um, um, stonework that's very um, menacing, almost. Um, and so he decided to use this as his uh, the sort of point where after the euphoria of realizing you're on your last four stages of the pilgrimage and you've got through the really dangerous bit um and probably the the, the trickiest bit uh you've then got physical aches and pains you know from climbing the mountains getting through them blisters physical aches whatever and so he's decided to use a, a sort of dissonance and like i when i first played it i said you know what is this nagging b flat all about and he's got these voices singing in A minor in triads um, and this B flat that just sort of sits there and it won't go away. And eventually he said, well, the reason it's there is that that represents the physical pain that you're going through being on the pilgrimage. If you've got a blister or an ache, whatever, it doesn't just magically go away. You haven't got a spray or whatever. You just have to get through it. And so this whole second movement is is kind of it's dark and and you know it's it's the physical discomfort um that, that the pilgrims go through but you have to walk through it through this section there are various shrines on the route and so suddenly you know these passages will stop um and you know uh, saint julian of cuenca pray for us um and various saints where you stop and the whole choir just stops whatever it's doing so there's a little sort of um prayer um at the shrine and then we go on and at various points the the music uh again you've got different strands going on at the at the same time so it's different uh, groups of pilgrims coming together and by this side by this stage everybody that's on the pilgrimage knows why they're there and, and they're all sort of linked in that way and there are different stories and you get little bits of um uh, historical stories that have been recorded and uh, they're told by the four altos. So the four altos leave the stage and disperse them, you know, place themselves amongst the audience, and they they tell bits of you know this story. Um, I'm, I'm not going to give it away. I want people to to read it, but um, you know bits of the, the you know his jaw is in Italy, um, his arm and his his arm is in England, and all this kind of stuff. This is the body of. Um, uh oh yeah uh, so yeah the, 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 um and he uh he sort of set these four alto um soloists sort of telling this story um i'm trying to remind myself now it's so long ago um the the, the boy on the gallows um yeah for 26 days and grim it's pretty grim but it's sort of telling of various miracles um and all these stories and underneath you've got this ostinato musical ostinato going on santiago peregrino 
and that just repeats and repeats and that's the the sort of wandering footsteps that you know plodding footsteps of the pilgrims and they're sort of listening to these stories that are being related and told by other pilgriming other pilgrims um and at various points in the in the thing that the, the sort of steps get a little bit faster and then they get slower then they get faster and then you get the the prayer at the shrines actually over the steps you know as they just sort of keep walking and then the storytellers uh disappear uh come back and then you've got you get to this thing the puerta alta um where a bit of stonework in the cathedral where you've got the um dividing the damned and the saved uh so you know, it's sort of typical um thing where you know the, the damned are in hell and then the sort of righteous are, are above um and it's just sort of all all explodes and you've got these you know historical tales of the english actually stealing from other pilgrims so <laughs> you've got uh, all this sort of way at the turn in the road and a closing door um and it's I mean, it, it's kind of reflective of what's going on on the pilgrimage at this point, where you've got gangs of robbers waiting for you, and and cheats, and people are, you know, temptation of evil, and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and it, it, it and you see of... this great, you see this great parallel of, you know, um, uh, to 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 talk about if you think about you know James and the stories, these stories and what they would have been listening to of thinking about stories from the New Testament, similar to, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, that road that connected the two cities. And you, you've got, it was known for having robbers on the trail. It was a, it was a thing that those mountain trails were, everybody knew to be careful and everybody knew that. And you have this kind of parallel with the, the footsteps going on and the stories and, yeah, it 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 is to trudge is the ultimate. Like I just think of trudging is the word that comes to mind. It's just this constant trudging, yeah. but chaos yeah. starts to unfold. But you have to keep going through it, like you said earlier. I think it's it hit Joby's I mean, it's pretty, opera work. It's is, grim. Oh, it's sorry. Go ahead. Grim this movie. Uh, it, I mean, it's pretty grim, and it's and it's unrelentingly grim. Um, the, the only bits of real beauty are the are the the prayers that are sung at the shrine, which are just you know still and and magical. But then there's you know you get to the bit where the devil cried out and claimed his soul, and the devil takes him. And then those that are saved and you know are, are managed to get through uh, all the dangers. Uh, Saint and Virgin heard the prayer uh, and turned his wound into a scar um and from mercy they gave the dead man life um and so you know the, the the souls yeah it's it's all pretty heavy stuff um yeah innkeepers cheat us the english steal um we're sick of body um and you know again that's that's the the physical aches and pains um and then and then when we get to if if I can jump ahead, this is a this is like uh between letter O and letter P measure 283. Uh, and um that I've never heard something so mournful sounding as those tenors 
we pray for miracles and are given stories like that just cascading I, I don't I don't know if I've ever I heard that and I was like oh man I like aches <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh, obviously the historically it's it's a pilgrimage for Catholics of course um because most of Europe was was Catholic but um you know we write our sins on on parchment um and hope uh you know in burning these once we get to Santiago will be forgiven so it's like a penance um yeah and sort of rejuvenating your soul uh yeah and it's kind of it's pretty miserable um yeah when you when you know the whole piece you know and I think you know we have we have definitely detected places where an audience isn't familiar with this certainly in the early years and getting through the second movement the first and the second movement is quite tough for the listener and knowing you're only halfway there of course if you know what's coming in the third and the fourth movement that's fine but it, it just means the impact of the third and the fourth movements for people that don't know the piece has an even greater effect because it's so much more of a release after you've had to get through all this tough stuff you yeah. know the, the first movement is atmospheric it's very energetic and and it's got some real grit and um drama to it um with with really explosive climaxes that are emotionally you know get people highly charged and then you've got this tough second movement that you've just got to you've got to trudge your way through it get through it and and then you this sort of unearthly thing that Joby set for the four bases at the end ora pro nobis um jacobe affinibus terre um et uh ad te clamavi uh, it's really extraordinary and you know musically it doesn't do that much but the the texture and the way the text is set uh is so extraordinary that the sort of sonority of those four bases it's one of the mo moments in the piece where everybody just goes completely still and of course most of the singers it's funny this we always have an extra singer so rather than it's in 17 parts but we have 18 if we can we have one extra low bass to help out at the bottom um but the four boys who do this the four men who would sing this part um everybody else is so focused and still concentrated it's not like oh i've got two pages off it's like their their eyes are wide open they're mm. totally in it and they're almost singing you know it's so exposed for the for the four bases uh anybody falls off everybody hears it and everybody's willing them just to do it and it's one of the, it's kind of one of the most intense moments of the whole piece where yeah every, every audience just goes completely still and thinking you know oh it's extraordinary well and it it segue it it, it does it to where it, it kind of cleanses the palate a little bit to prep for th for movement three i think perfectly because it's it's a little bit more open even though it's closed and so low in the tessitura, the the harmonies themselves, you know, like open sevenths and and no thirds, that kind of thing. So it, it does it that there's no like um, there's nothing necessarily to to hold on to. So it just like all of that tension from the rest of the movement kind of isn't completely gone but you feel it kind of expanding outward until it 
rest and then it like preps you for movement three so well whereas i think if you just if you just end after we pray the watching saints will help us learn and then go into three you're not quite ready for it yet i don't think so i i think it's brilliant i think that part that little part is so brilliant
But then you arrive yes. in Leon, and the cathedral in Leon is very different to Burgos, you know, medieval cathedral, but um, uh, much loftier, lighter. And when Joby went there, he said the sun was shining and these rays of light were coming uh, through the stained glass windows. Um, but sort of rather weirdly, there were other rays of light coming from in another at another angle. So, you know, the, we know the sun's there, but so where is this coming from? And then musically, he kind mm. of decided to set that with these, uh, the sopranos um, in thirds. Um, what, and and we, we space soprano one and three over on the left-hand side of the building and two and four over on the other side, and they sing across to one another whilst all the gents in the middle um, sing, you know, the, 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 the main melody. We have walked in Jacob's land over river um, uh, and sheep track by hospice, by hermits, um, by, by a hermit's cave. Uh, and it just gently sort of takes us forward uh, on the route. Uh, again, sort of splitting up into different strands. We have two altos who move to behind the choir. Uh, the gents are all still together. Um, and then you get this, you arrive musically at this bit, uh, rumours of grace on the road of wonders, um, the miracles of the Asirga, the virgin in the apple tree, all this kind of, you know, very dreamy stuff. And this is sung by yeah. four voices, texture. And again, you know, there are lots of extremes in this piece. The sopranos have, the top sopranos have top C's to sing. So do the tenors. Uh, the basses have to go down to bottom A's. Uh, the altos are very low. They're also, you know, quite high at various times. But this one is where the, the tenor, um, Joby wanted a tenor rather than an alto. It sings extremely high. Uh, so it's a very steely sort of quality. But it, again, sort of slightly unearthly quality. I didn't set it in the counter tenor um, part. Uh, and, the, and, the, and the main part, tenor one, goes up to top C's. Uh, uh, of wonders and on the word apple tree. Um, yeah, the, the apostle on horseback, a journey of days in one night. God knows we have walked in Jacob's land. And it's one of my favorite bits of the whole piece, this uh, as it goes into three and um, I mean, you can't walk in three, you know, <laughs> you walk, you walk, but we, we decided that this would, this would be a good moment for the whole choir to walk together. Mm. Um, but, you know, when, when you have got physical aches and whatever, you don't just sort of want two, three, four, you don't march or, you know, when you're running and you've got a slightly sore leg or if you've got, you know, like, like me, I had a sort of slight back thing. So my left foot would always land more heavily than my right. And I would sort of have a, an uneven rhythm when I'd be mm. running the same when I'm walking and so it kind of it, it worked um and, and the whole choir basically puts their scores down or close their iPads and and we walk you know we find a route in the rehearsal where we can walk hopefully through the audience or down by the side of them and then come around at the back of them um and it's just a it's a spectacular bit of writing oh yeah Lots meditation going on between the parts um and again language wise lui 
um, sort of very, and of course, with some of these made up words that I was talking about earlier, that were a combination of French and German and English or Italian, um, we've never really managed to decide what the best way of pronouncing it is. So we sort <laughs> of, okay, there isn't a correct way of pronouncing these words. So, you know, if you were communicating with somebody, but you happen to come from Italy, then you would pronounce it one way. And if you were coming from Germany, whatever, then you'd pronounce it another way. So we kind of decided that actually you can sing it how you like. And that's kind of authentic. Wow. Um, I mean, we, we, singers being what they are, they, they always want to do the same thing. So, so I've noticed they were, it was several <laughs> years. Now everybody kind of sings the same the same way. Um, and that's, that, again, uh, Joby's got this fantastic moment at letter. Uh, you might have to help me with the eyesight. Uh, is it letter B? Oh, let's go back here. There's um, an H. Oh, letter H, the tempo pumoso. That major, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the, it arrives at this sort of weird moment where everything stops. Um, you know, by this stage, we, we've stopped walking uh, on, the, on the pilgrimage route in, in the venue that we're performing, and everything's totally still. Um, and the upper voices, although they're very low in their register, they all sing, you know, here is a miracle, that we are here is a miracle. And there's this sense of wonder that just goes on. Here the daylight gives an image of the heavens promised by his love. Um, and it just goes into, you know, it's like, um, uh, what do you call it, anime um, suspense, like suspension. You know. Oh, yeah, yeah just held there um with these sort of notes and then you've got a bit of text and then it sort of develops into a held chord and the soloist sings beate um qui habitant in domo tu domine in secula seculorum lauda bante and then back into english so you've got latin english we pause as at the heart of a sun that dazzles but does not burn and it's this sort of this imagery uh is is just extraordinary and harmonically it just ends up in glorious d major uh letter yeah. is that letter k um yeah it's just always yeah, or um, letter k letter k yeah of course when you're there in the building and the, the audience and you're at the back again if you don't know where this piece is going you know when that d major bit comes it's kind of oh, <laughs> yeah it's the release of all, everything from movement yeah. two of like, hey, it's going to be okay. And it just sort of drifts off to sort of, and, it, and it's left hanging in the air.
and harmonically at, at this point we always do um a medieval chant there as i told you about the codex calixtinus all yeah. the sort of chants sung on the on the pilgrimage route to sort of celebrate um the saints and the the, the pilgrimage route itself her santiago you know saint james um yeah or santiago. uh they're all written down and, and we got some of these and we sing one of them after movement two which helps harmonically just get us into movement three mm. and then uh we sing another one at this point and the whole choir moves back onto the stage um and then this is you know the final stage of movement four is santiago which is where you come out of the hills and you then you can see santiago in the distance um, and there's a, there's a lot of excitement, and you get the reiteration of that melody that came in movement one there. Um, and it, this is naming all the sort of little villages and towns that you you're you're walking through. Uh, so I I particularly like this. Um, and then yeah, and yeah. Most, oh sorry, go on. It, it goes on into uh, you have this. Um, Repetition of Lauda Bante, but it's in three. One, two, three. Lauda Bante, Lauda Bante, Lauda Bante, Lauda. So, uh, you know, it's, it kind of becomes unrelated to the main key of, of what everybody else, uh, the, the time signature, what other people are singing in. And it's like this uh, dreamy thing, sort of separate, and it's just hovering by the ladies. Um, you've got the altos just repeating by meadows or fern by uh, by meadows and fields of rye, and and, and the and the gents just sing this beautiful soft melody, uh, naming the towns that they're going through, um, which of course once they've left them behind, they're like shadows, um, because you know everything's about Santiago at this point. Uh, and so this is wandering geographically through this area. And then finally, you get to the point where you can see uh, you then from the stream at Labacoya. Again, this is all very sort of um, geographical, uh, mm. relating where, where the pilgrims are. Um, the road climbs before the longed for final descent to Santiago. And you've just got to the top of the hills and in the distance for the first time, you can actually see Santiago. And so that's why there's this moment, which is just ecstatic. Um, and it's it's always a good moment, uh, you know, just to watch the choir. You know, if, if you're close enough, actually look at the singers because it's it just has a magical effect on them and me um, and everybody. Yeah. Um, it's like you know oh my god there, there is Santiago there it is everything we've been dreaming about we can see it you know we're almost there and can touch it yeah. um yeah and then the, 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 the last it's not the last section it's you know um I mean it's just brilliant writing this yeah this different little ideas and it just sort of builds and builds and builds and you're you're basically getting to the point where you feel like you can you can touch it and you're, you're going to start running to get to Santiago the, the excitement is just building and it just gets faster and faster and then it erupts into this sort of rather um secular um right uh, motive that 
that, that's repeated and repeated and, and it's in five. And a bit like the, the beginning where all the different strands, the different pilgrims are slowly coming together. Everybody starts together and then every and then it all sort of starts to come apart. Um mm. and bit by bit, it you know, it starts breaking off and and it's and it, it's very tricky to keep this really tight because uh, you've got um similar things that are sometimes working only one beat apart from each other, but everybody's got this, you know, this within that phrase, people have got the same accents, so they need to feel it the same. And you've just got to keep uh, dare I say it, an eye on the conductor to make sure you know exactly where you are. It's terribly easy to get lost. Um yeah, and and you know, I just well, and it to, to me it really does it's it's that it's that. You know, when you, I like how you said secular moment, but it it really is. It's because the 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 joy is so like unbridled that you can't help but dance. I'm sure yeah, there's yeah. like even though you're you're so fatigued, you can't even yes, think, I think straight. I think, yeah, the, the 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 celebration is very much an earthly one rather than a celestial one, and it's right. uh, you know it's sort of earthy, um, and and it just it just builds and builds and then yeah i mean you just have to hear it if you know it of course and it goes on quite a long time and it's quite syncopated like i say different rhythmic patterns coming along um and then at letter l in movement four you have these first people that head santiago Cruz santiago that's like in the distance you can hear the sort of the, the prayers going on in Santiago, uh, you're still some somewhere from it. And so those are piano and then it, they get louder and louder. And the 17 parts that are all doing different things for this whole passage, uh, just bit by bit, get louder, louder and slowly start to come together. Um, like I say, if you're singing it, then you have to uh, really be know what you're doing. And yeah. There's this weird moment at bar. Now I can't. You might have to give the bar number. Uh, where all the men sing suddenly out of the blue. Hair. Is it oh yeah. This or is two one five. Three one five. Yeah. Yeah. Three one six. Three one seven. Three one eight. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's great fun. But of course, you know, the choir are singing in six. Um, but these hairs, uh these sort of stabs, if you like, they come on the on the sixth beat and then the fifth beat and then the fourth beat, then the third beat and the second and so forth. And, you know, when I'm when I'm conducting, my hands have to be uh, independent. So ra rather than doing six, which for the choir, the main choir is quite easy. If you suddenly I'm going one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three. It's difficult to know where you are. So I, I just subdivide the six beats into two lots of three. One, two, three, one, two, three. Mm. With a small downbeat. My left hand, so bar three, one, six, for example, is one, two, three, one, two, hair. So my left hand is down, wow. my right one is up. One, two, three, one, two, hair. Uh, and, you know, various boys, uh, when they try to count it, it's, it's very complicated. So these days, I mean, very early on, the guys just said, look, 
the best thing is just to put your put your scores down effectively just watch Nigel and we all you know if he goes wrong then we all go wrong together it's nobody's fault but mine and and <laughs> they're not worried about counting they're just ready for to launch themselves into that moment yeah um, it's, it's good fun because they can see me sort of worrying about it trying to think you know uh <laughs> One, two, three, one, two, ha, one, two, three, one, ha, one, two, three, ha, two, three, one, two, ha, one, two, three. <laughs> um, and because oh, they just, they're just sitting there waiting. And and the ladies are sort of concentrating on the six. And and yeah, it's a good, good moment. Um, and yeah. all these different rhythmic strands coming together, and you've got the and then you're off into the stabbed hairs again yeah um it's 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 just a joy to perform i hope it's a joy to listen to and then it all arrives in a huge climax doesn't it i can't yeah letter m letter m yeah yeah and that's the you know we're, we're basically there. the loudest voice we've got sings the solo there Santiago and basically it's a that's just an extraordinary moment and then the, after this sort of you know the, the sort of ecstasy of arriving in Santiago seeing it and arriving there you then got this sort of extraordinary moment where you're I think audiences are probably convinced okay this is it it's about to finish it's about to finish and it doesn't it just sort of suddenly gets left in, you know, in the air again. Uh, with this yeah. chord that sort of drifts away, and you have that um, by Meadows of Field and uh, was it right? Meadows of Field of or uh, of Rye? Yeah, I can't remember. That, that that sort of motif just sort of comes back wordless this time, and. Um, and that the the low bases have a melody for once at the <laughs> edge of the world we pray for our sins to fall from us as chains as chains from the limbs of penitence um we have walked out of our lives so you know that it, it's a you know a really weird experience when you you've had all this euphoria and then the ecstasy you know all all the trials and tribulations you've been through and and then Joby sets this sort of uh, unearthly melody right at the bottom of the texture. Um, you've got these dreamy loud avantes up in the upper voices, going. Um, and then there's a, there's a reiteration of the this sort of the secular, da, 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 but much slower this time. We have walked out of our lives to come to where the walls of heaven are thin. And again, those are the pauses, you know, that you've you've taken on the pilgrimage route. And then you get going again, are thin as a curtain. And this basically just describes going, um, once you've got to Santiago and you've said, you've, you know, seen the cathedral, you've, um, you know, done your your celebratory mass, whatever, you then go another step further to a place called Finisterre, which is on the coast of Spain. And, and this is kind of Finisterre, the end of the end of the earth, um, mm. which in the medieval world, you know, as far as they were concerned, this was the this was the um the the furthest part, the furthest point west that they knew of. So um uh 
people would by this time of course they, if they only had one set of clothes if they were very poor pilgrims whatever um the, the clothes had been a fa fairly sorry state and um a, a means of um reenacting your spiritual rejuvenation if you like your reward for having made it to Santiago is to go to Finisterre and you burn your clothes on the beach you take clothes off just burn them and that's that's you know all your sins burnt washed away um and, mm. and you're clean uh for forever and then we have this final statement from JB holy St James great St James God help us now and ever and evermore. Um, and at this point, the choir splits up into different groups. And uh, I mean, as at the beginning, all the different strands coming together. This is when everybody's making their way home. But by this stage, we're we're kind of all on the same page with our spirituality, if you like. Um, yeah. And this, the, the the heavenly rewards uh, of having made the pilgrimage and, and sort of survived it um and all the all the different strands this time are going um with the same harmony that's all linked rather than different yeah. harmonies. they're all they're all linked harmonically mm. at this point but they are disappearing in you know, like cluster eberbach this place the cistercian abbey you know um that there's a cycle everybody sings together then choir one sings a bit, back to the main group, and choir two, back to the main group, back to choir one, and then two soloists. So this da 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 da. Now really slow and sort of much more churchy and and um, religious, if you like. Uh, uh, and, and those two walk down the middle. The main group stay on stage with me. Choir one goes off to the left somewhere. Choir two goes off to the right somewhere, and then at the end, um, the choir will walk somewhere hidden from view normally with me um and it finishes up with the main group with me um yeah hopefully out of sight but there's a cycle you know when it goes starts in the main group choir one main group choir two back to the main group that's one cycle and then we have mm. to decide in each venue we're in if we're somewhere really enormous like Kloster Eberbach um we had to do seven cycles so it wow. goes on quite a long time but it's just for the audience, it's just disappearing, it's drifting off and disappearing. Um, and then finally, you know, I think we decided rather than just walk off stage with it still going, we would actually have a resolution. So at the end of the seventh cycle, the main group just sings now and evermore on a D major chord and just holds it, and that's the end. And it's always a great moment in in concerts, you know. I, not that I would ever uh, criticise someone for applauding, but, um, you know, it, the most memorable performances for me are, are the ones where we've completely grabbed the audience. And I remember doing it in Tewkesbury Abbey, um, and it was about a minute before wow. anybody made a sound. And I was thinking, oh, we're going to have to go back. We're going to have to go <laughs> back. The singer sort of said, no, no, don't move. Just, just leave it. And then the place erupted, um, and uh, yeah, the, the the festival promoter at the time wrote back saying he's never seen uh, an audience reaction like it from his festival audience, and he'd been there, you know, for years and years, and said it's it's quite extraordinary. But you know, the, when somebody, you know, almost three seconds after we've finished breaks in, then it's kind of, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
with that moment just a little bit longer and let it all seep in you know it's kind of yeah it's it's a moment where everybody because like i say when like when the four bases are singing that that extraordinary sound making that extra sound at the end of movement two nobody in the in the team switches off you just can't switch off there is nowhere for you to relax in this piece so it's about 70 minutes worth of total concentration and that yeah. moment when you you know you're done is is heavenly uh you know there's a huge kind of reward and it's and it's wonderful just to bask in it really a little bit longer um, yeah you know that you know there'll be a release from the audience but it's nice when it just sort of gets when it's um i don't know enjoyed and appreciated i think and, and it yeah is just and there's marathon together um, as a listener and a performer um and that little silence is a is you know before the the applause is, is a, a wonderful moment yeah and it it lets everything kind of just you know spiritually mentally emotionally physically probably too if you're listening to movement too your your audience has probably got tense muscles somewhere <laughs> Thank you.
we did we did it quite recently in France um, in a beautiful abbey somewhere. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it. It was at the end of May, um, and between the the afternoon rehearsal and the show, um, we were in a, this gorgeous building uh, with a, a, some of the abbey grounds outside, and so some of the guys were just playing cricket, and I went to join them just about 20 minutes before the concert began. Um, and and I, I hit the ball and I ran and I just fell over and I fell really badly into my shoulder. Um, and at the time <laughs> I was winded uh, and and I didn't, I had no idea what I'd done. I, mean, I was in a lot of pain. Um, oh no. My left arm at all, I barely turned the page. And I was in a lot of, you know, movement too. I was thinking, God, I know how this feels. <laughs> and it turned, yeah. I, I'd broken my collarbone and and one third of it at this end had just smashed into bits and broke three ribs. And oh my goodness. One of the one of the singers, Hannah King, kind of uh, who's you know uh, does first aid, um, just took control and said, right, stay here, stay awake. And I just wanted to lie down and go to sleep. Um, and then I was cold and in shock, uh, and I felt, I felt really sick. I mean, and the, the about one minute, and she uh, pumped me full of painkillers. About one minute, well, not even one minute. But just as I went on, I thought, okay, I've got to do this. Get through it. Because, you know, nobody could stand in at no notice and, and do it, and the choir couldn't sing it by itself. So I just went up there. Adrenaline got me through it. But that second movement, sort of thinking about the physical pain, I was thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I know what yeah. this is. The whole piece has a different meaning now. <laughs> I, those hairs that I was telling you about when the men just sort of suddenly think, hair. Of course, normally, I'm, there's no doubt in anybody's mind. One, two, three, one, two, hair. And yeah. of course, I did one a little bit, and I went, because it, it was in <laughs> Oh, but it's so painful. One, two, three, one, two. Uh. <laughs> that was about all It's like react with this big sound with this little. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Well, that's amazing. We thank you for walking us through that. And the the parallels between. I, I just think that there's so much. I, I know the podcast is called Early Music Monday. Um and but there, there's so much early music influence in in this piece, and and not just early music, but ancient stories and ancient texts and ancient ideas that are still relevant. And I think you, the the reactions you get from audiences and the number of ensembles that are starting to perform it, it's it, it's clearly something that's the that's audiences of gravity. Yeah, it totally. I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter what kind of, what religion, you know, or race you are, there's something in it that's very earthy and, and that, that connects with everybody. That feeling of, you know, just needing to shed your skin almost and, and start again, deep breath, whatever, um, refreshed spirituality, rejuvenation, you call it whatever you like. But, you know, it, it has a lot of resonance, more so now than, than for a long time. I think in this, you know, I've noticed in the last sort of 20 years, 
um, with the emergence of electronic communication. And, you know, you can't get away from it now. There is just no respite. Uh, phones, computer screens, you name it. Uh, our lives are just totally dominated by this stuff. And, yeah, one one day I want to go on the pilgrimage route and actually leave my phone at home. Uh, I'll probably yeah. take photos but, <laughs> or i could just take a camera i guess um way more but, difficult <laughs> but i think uh, you know that there is definitely something in it um for for modern life that that really seems to have more more and more um relevance you know to sort of just switching off having you know completely different focus and dedicating yourself to something and then come back to life little bit more refreshed and whatever and get back to the emails <laughs> yes exactly which is what most of our life is so well i'll let you go it, it's been a real pleasure and and well i'll reach out i don't know maybe in a year or so or six months and, and have you back and if you if tenebrae is doing something in Utah, if you're coming back to Utah and you and you want, I mo a lot of my listeners are Utah based, but I, I have a decent amount elsewhere as well. But if you're coming back towards the Western United States and want to promote it, and and we can talk about some upcoming programs, more than happy to have you back on. And lovely, thank you. Yeah, I hope we're coming to the states in um, autumn 2024. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it'd be really nice if we do more on the West Coast. We did a couple of dates last last tour out up in Seattle and mm. Portland, Oregon, um, and San. Where was it? Santa Fe. Or San, New Mexico. San, San, San Diego, Diego, California. San Diego. Yeah. Diego. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's just everything's so spread, so much more spread out. It's a little bit harder to little bit budgetarily a little bit more difficult but um but yeah i'd, I'd love maybe i'll reach out next summer and we can and you can talk about some upcoming performances in the states and some programs and stuff that would be fantastic yep we'll do good <laughs>
and you definitely don't want to miss perf them performing live. It's, it's an amazing experience. So a big thank you to Nigel Short and the executive team at Tenebrae who helped coordinate the interview. And yeah, go find the recording of this and listen to it. And we'll catch you next time on Early Music Monday.